This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, well, it's interesting tonight. We're going to be starting uh, a new series to kind of close out the Sunday night year. And the series that we're starting tonight is called True Grit. And uh, if you're, you know, that may sound like kind of a weird title, or maybe if you know old Western movies, it rings a bell to you. But uh, a couple months ago, I was up in Big Bear, just kind of taking a few days to pray and hear from the Lord. And I, I kind of had a, really a supernatural experience. I, I was in a cabin, and, and I opened my Bible to the book of Mark, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to hear from you. And it was very strange, but I mean, within a really short amount of time, I couldn't say the time, but like... Just within an hour or two, I read through the whole book of Mark, which isn't a super long book. It's 16 chapters. But it, God spoke to me so many things in that quick amount of time. It wasn't a speed reading thing where I was skimming through the pages. Like God was giving me life-changing revelation from the book of Mark. And, 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 and it's incredible some of the stuff he showed me. And as I go through this series over the next few weeks, all of it is stuff that God taught me out of the book of Mark on how to have some backbone, how to be tough, how to how to be a, a manly, you know what I mean? You know, and, and, and a tough lady, too. I don't know how to say that, but womanly. So but but I'm reading all these stories and, and God is just showing me the toughness of Jesus. And we all know that Jesus is soft and loving and tender and merciful and kind. He's good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Praise his holy name. But at the same time, there's a tough side of Jesus, too. All right. You got to get this, that when it especially when it came to spiritual matters concerning the devil, Jesus wasn't soft and sweet and tender and lovely. He like went into Rambo mode and kicked butt. OK. And so we're going to look at some of that stuff over the next few weeks. Uh, but but as I was as I was seeing all this stuff out of the book of Mark, I'm like, man, this Great. This is what I need to hear right now. There's some toughness. There's some grit. There's some manliness. And, and, and I'm like, well, well, manliness, I feel almost guilty just using that word about Jesus. Uh, so the word came to me, grit. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to write this down. So I, I start taking notes and, and I wrote down the word grit. Then I went on Amazon and rented true grit with John Wayne in it and watched that real quick just to get caught up. Can I get a witness in the church? OK, thank you. So, so we got that out of the way real quick. And then, then I get back to my, my note taken. And I'm telling you, Jesus, you gotta get this. Alright? Seriously. Jesus was not a mamby pam pissy boy. Jesus was a tough dude. Think about it. He was a carpenter all these years. He had tough hands. He had some muscles. He had calluses on his hands. He was, he was a tough dude. He was, he was a tough man. And I'm sure he didn't have to, you know, give you the dead fish handshake. Guys, have you ever shaken hands with another guy? And it's like, you know, it's like jello. You're like, oh, please, man, don't do this to yourself. You're better than this. You got, I mean, Jesus had, he had a firm handshake, right? And so I, I know that this is Jesus was just, he was, he was a tough guy. And sometimes we focus and it's great on the soft, loving, tender side, but you have to know that Jesus was not a wimp. Can I get an amen? Jesus wasn't a wimp. Jesus was a tough guy. And it's really interesting. That the lessons that I've got out of this are from the book of Mark because Mark himself was not necessarily known as the John Wayne or Mr. T of his day. 
Uh, Mark actually had a history of, of kind of being a quitter and kind of being a mama's boy. And in the end, Mark turned out to be one of the most amazing men in history because he was chosen to write only one of four guys chosen to write an account of Jesus' life that we have as a gospel in the Bible. Uh, not too many people can say that they wrote a book that's in the Bible. Very few. And John wrote one of the four gospels. And so, in the end, John, be, or excuse me, Mark, Mark became a tough, tough guy. And in fact, he died a martyr's death. They drug him through the streets by a rope until he died. But he never gave up and he never uh, went back on Jesus. He never denounced Jesus. But Mark, before becoming tough, before becoming a man stuck to his convictions and before becoming a man with authority, uh, Mark kind of had a history of bailing out, kind of being a quitter and kind of having some embarrassing moments. I'll, I'll show a few with you. They can throw these on the screen. But, but a lot of scholars believe that Mark is writing this story about himself. This could be until the end of time. But here's the story of Jesus is being betrayed in the garden on that night. And Mark shows up in the middle of the night. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but he did follow this group in the 72 that we read about. And so here's Mark in the middle of the night. He shows up to hear all the commotion. Mark 14:51. I believe he's writing about himself here. It says, now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. What? And the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now, what the heck is that talking about? Well, Mark, here he is in the middle of the night. He's probably sleeping in bed or whatnot. He hears all the commotion going on over there in the garden. He just wraps himself up in a sheet or whatever he has. He goes over there to see what's going on. He's kind of hiding, seeing, oh, my gosh, they're arresting Jesus. What's going on? And the guys spot him. They grab him and grab the sheet off. And he's naked underneath it. And so he takes off running back to his mom's house up the street there in the middle of the night. Now, this is probably a pretty embarrassing moment for Mark. You know, it's probably not the high point of his life, probably not something that that he wants to be remembered. But but people knew, oh, man, there goes Mark naked running through the streets. That's, that's not good in the middle of the night. And and people knew this who this young man was. This was not a good experience for him. And, uh, and, and, and Mark, though, he, he, he became something even greater. But also, a lot of you are familiar with this. Mark had a cousin named Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was Paul's first missionary partner, right? Some of you know this. And so, whenever Paul is getting ready to go on his first missionary journey, he, he takes this guy, Barnabas, with him. And Barnabas says, hey, I've got a cousin named John Mark. And he would be great. Let's take John Mark with us. He'll do a fabulous job. He loves the Lord. The boy, he, he has a good heart. Now, Barnabas was a pretty uh, strong uh, man of compassion. In fact, his, his name, I believe, meant son of compassion. And so, uh, so Barnabas, I mean, he was a soft, tender-hearted man. And there's a good chance that he was a fatherly figure in Mark's life. Because we have no mention of Mark's father in the Bible. We just have a bunch of mention of his mom. And so he might, maybe he was raised by this single mom. I don't know all the details there, but I do know that Barnabas was a great figure in Mark's life. And so I, I want to show you this, that, uh, that Barnabas and Paul are getting ready to leave on their very first missions trip. They take Mark along with them 
and it doesn't end very well. So this is in Acts chapter 13, verse 4. For time's sake, they can throw it on the screen because we'll get to the real lesson here in a minute. But they take off on their journey. And here's what happens uh, just shortly into their first trip. Verse he says, now Paul and those with him left Paphos by ship for Turkey, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark deserted them and returned to Jerusalem. So he had the chance of a lifetime to travel with Paul and Barnabas and go on an exciting missions trip. And he lasts about nine verses. He does not make it that far. And it says he just gives up and deserts them and heads back home to Jerusalem, basically with his tail tucked between his legs. We don't know why he quit and deserted Paul and Barnabas. We just know that, hey, he's a young guy and maybe the, the pressure was too much. Maybe he missed mommy. We don't know. But he ran home and deserted them and left them out there on the trip. And so the next time around in Acts chapter 15, they're getting ready to go on their next trip. And they're, they're, they're getting things ready. And Barnabas is like, okay, I'll go tell Mark that we're ready to go. And Paul says, no, no way. <laughs> He's not going. And Barnabas says, yeah, he... he He's going. Barna, we're we're going we're gonna to take Mark with us. Just cut him some slack. He made a mistake. He's a young guy. Let's take him. And, and they, it says they get in such an argument. Paul says, there's absolutely no way that I'm taking that sissy quitter with. I'm paraphrasing, okay? So <laughs> there's no way that I'm taking him with me again. He left us high and dry. He bailed on us. Mark is not going. Mark my words, no pun intended. And he probably did say that. So anyway, it says their their argument was so sharp that Paul and Barnabas split up and they ended it and they went separate ways. Paul decided to take somebody named Silas with him on his trip and Barnabas took Mark with him and they went somewhere else. So Mark at this point in time does not have the best track record of what it means to have true grit to have faithfulness, to have loyalty, to stick with it until the job's done. He doesn't have that track record, but I do want to show you one final thing interesting about Mark before I really ta- tackle our lesson tonight, and that's this. By the end of Paul's life, they must have made amends somewhere because Paul writes something very interesting in Colossians 4.10. You can throw that up there. Paul's writing, he is in prison and Mark is also in prison with him. Look at this. It says, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. And so whatever happened, Paul and Mark, they made amends and, and Mark got on the right track. And they both shortly after this was written, maybe a few years, both ended up being murdered, martyred for the sake of Christ and not giving up. So Mark developed this grit. This toughness that I believe Christians need to have. It's great to be soft and loving. You guys know me. I'm a lover. I'm a nice, soft man. I'm soft. I've got a very soft heart. But on certain matters, especially in the spiritual realm, you have to have some John Wayne status grit if you're going to win some battles in life. You've got to get a tenacity on the inside of you that says, I am not going to quit. I am going to fight the battle with every fiber of fight that I have in me. I'm going to use the name of Jesus. I'm going to stand on the word of God and I am going to have victory. I am going to conquer this situation in the name of Jesus. You have to have some fight and some grit on the inside of you if you're going to win some battles in life. You've got to have it. 
you got to have some grit. And so that's what we're studying over the next couple of weeks. I'll, I'll do the best that I can. And, uh, and the Lord showed me 10 things out of the book of Mark that I'm going to really try to share with all of you guys. We're going to only tackle one tonight. And that's the subject of Jesus had real authority. He had real authority and he gave us authority, as I'm going to show you. But Jesus, number one, Jesus not was, but Jesus is authoritative. Because we don't talk about Jesus in the past tense, that would mean that Jesus is dead and that he was someone that previously existed. Jesus still exists. He's still alive, just as he's always been, all right? So Jesus is very authoritative, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. He doesn't ask the devil to leave him alone, and Christians should not ask the devil to leave them alone. You don't ask the devil, you tell him in the name of Jesus what's going to happen, all right? And so let's let's go through here. I've got some verses to cover, so stick with me. I may move quick tonight. Let's look at Mark chapter 1. Let's go there. Mark chapter 1. Who's excited? Mark chapter 1. This is going to be good. This is going to be fun. I think, I, I mean, I really believe that, that God's going to show us what we need. And you're going to receive some answers over the next few weeks that you've needed. Maybe you have been facing a situation. Maybe you've been in a battle. Maybe you've been kind of facing the storm right now. We're going to show you how to win, man. We're going to show you how to conquer the situation. So Mark chapter 1, verse 22 This is Jesus. He's teaching to the people. It says the people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So, I mean, I don't know how their preaching and their teaching went, but apparently it wasn't very authoritative because the people were shocked and amazed when they heard Jesus preach. Why? Because he taught with real authority. Jesus, I mean, he laid it out there and I would have loved to have been there for a sermon of Jesus. And I, I mean, I hope to hear him preach in heaven, I, you know, but I think about I, I watch old sermons. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Billy Graham on YouTube lately and man, that guy could preach. Oh, he could preach. But I'm telling you this. The best preacher of all time is Jesus Christ. I would have loved to have been there for the Sermon on the Mount and just been in that crowd and heard Jesus Christ laying it out there preaching. And and, and man, that would have been awesome. But Jesus was apparently such a great preacher that it shocked these people because he preached with such authority. They'd never heard anything like they're like, man, I think he really means it. I th- he's serious right now. They were shocked at the level of authority and passion that Jesus preached with. So I know, I, I, I will not keep, quit saying it, Jesus was soft and tender and merciful, and he is. But when he preached, it apparently was not a kumbaya moment. He wasn't, they weren't holding hands. A kumbaya, my Lord. No, they were, Jesus was laying it out there, telling them how it is. So let's look at verse 23 here. Let, let, let's continue. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Now, do you think Jesus was like, Oh my gosh, it's a possessed man. What am I going to do right now? Oh, call mama. Get Mary on the phone. No, Jesus, man, he had authority. Jesus cut him short. He stopped the guy in the middle of his talking. Be quiet, he said. Come out of the man. He ordered and Jesus with authority cast the devil out of this guy. 
At that, the evil spirit screamed threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Look at this. Amazement gripped the audience. I can just hear a collect, uh, you know, a collective. <gasps> Everybody was just like, it got really silent. Like, what just happened? And so Jesus, you know, again, this wasn't a, oh, just come, leave the man alone, devil. Please leave him alone. Please, I, I command you, leave him alone. Jesus, there's an exclamation point right here. Jesus yelled, come out. He, he cast the devil out of this guy with authority. And so amazement grips the crowd and they begin to discuss what happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. And so they use this word a couple of times, authority. They were amazed. They're like, he teaches with authority. And then he casts the devil out of somebody. They're like, what kind of guy is this? What teaching is this? It has such authority that even the, even the evil spirits have to leave people. And so that's really great news that Jesus himself has authority over evil spirits, that Jesus himself has authority and power to take care of anything. But what would be even better news? It wouldn't be great if you had a friend that had like an amazing sports car. You know, I'm not a car guy, but let's just say he had the brand new Mustang, whatever. And you're like, that's really cool. What would be even cooler is if he gave you the keys to the Mustang and said, you can use it too. Woo! That'd be awesome. Well, guess what? That's point number two tonight is this, is that he has given us authority. I'm excited that Jesus has it. But I'm also excited that he said I can use his name and cast out devils and do a bunch of the same stuff he did. That's pretty good news right now. And so check it out. We're talking about getting some grit, getting some backbone in your life, being tough, not getting smacked around and pushed down in life anymore. But finally standing up and taking authority like Jesus wants you to. So number two, he has given us authority. And you're like, you're just making that up. You're, no, I'm not making that up. I, I can prove it. So let's look over at Luke chapter 10 real quick. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. And man, this is, this is some of my favorite stuff right here. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Because it's awesome that Jesus has authority. It's awesome that he's got the power. But what's really, really cool is that he's given us the right to use his name and to have authority. And so Luke chapter 10. Verses 17 through 19. I love this. It says this. When the 72 disciples returned, so Mark would have been, I believe, in this group of 72, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yeah, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So Jesus was there when Satan got booted out of heaven. Jesus saw the whole thing and God kicked him so hard that it looked like lightning coming out of heaven. So, I mean, seriously, God kicked Satan straight out of heaven. And Jesus is like, whoa, this looked like lightning. He kicked him so hard. And look at this. But, but, but look at this. Verse 19. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. And this was not just written to them. This is written to all of us. Amen. This is written to all of us. And I love it when some dope comes up and says something dumb. Well, that was just to the 12. That was just to the 72. Really? Well, uh, then wasn't John 3:16 only to Nicodemus? 
then wasn't Mark 11 only? No, if it says that he's given us authority over all the works of the enemy, I'll be one of those. I have authority over all the works of the enemy. You can argue for your rights and I have authority. That's up to you. But I'm telling you, Jesus has given us authority over all the works of the enemy. Now, the King James Version, it uses, he says he's given us power. But the original Greek word here is authority. You have authority through the name of Jesus. And you've got to realize that Jesus obviously has all authority in heaven and earth. And so if he says he wants to let you use it, by golly, you can use it. It's up to him. He says, I'm giving you this authority. And so when someone is in charge, listen, they tell those subject to them what to do. Jesus told Satan what to do. Listen, he's given you authority. Satan shouldn't be telling you what to do in life. There's a lot of Christians, the devil tells them what to do, and they listen. They do it. They're like, oh, I'm too afraid to go over there. I couldn't. I mean, you know, those people, what they said, I couldn't go over there. And, that. and they listen to the devil, and the devil tells them where to go. The devil tells them where they're gonna, where they're gonna eat at, where they're gonna shop at. The devil, I mean, there's people that the devil tells them what to do, and he's, in, he's, he's running them around. It shouldn't be that way. Can you imagine the devil telling Jesus, giving Jesus orders and him following this time that, that he was stupid enough to try to come order Jesus around? Hey, listen, you're hungry. Turn those stones into bread. I mean, you're God. Come on, do it. And what did Jesus do? He didn't put up with it for one minute. He said, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus didn't take orders from the devil. He told him where to go. He told him to take a hike. Amen. And so that's our example. Whenever fear tries to control you, you need to step up and use your authority. The devil shouldn't be controlling you. You need to know what belongs to you. And a lot of you in here, you're, you're aware of the authority that belongs to the believers. And there's a great book in the bookstore, The Authority of the Believer. I recommend it and it's life changing. But a lot of you know your authority, but there's a lot of us here that don't know what really belongs to us. And I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. So there's this man way back in the early part of the last century, the early 1900s, who lived in Chicago. He was kind of a, 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 a kind of a hobo, you know, a, a street guy. And people knew him just because like, oh, you know, there, there he is again, digging through the trash. And I mean, just lived a very poor, dirty life. And then one day he died. And, and he had this old shack that he lived in. And so people like, oh, well, let's, you know, we'll, we'll go help, you know, clean out his stuff. And, and they go in there and in his apartment is hidden all kinds of money. And around his waist, he had a, 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 a like a fanny pack almost, you know, and, and, and it was $23,000. Now, in the early 1900s, $23,000 I mean, I would take it right now if anyone wants to give it. But at the same time, that was a whole lot of money in the early 1900s. And people are like, what's wrong with this guy? He lived a life, you know, a, ba- a beggar. He could have stayed in the finest hotel in all of Chicago. He could have been eating at the best restaurants every single night. He was out here begging for food and living like this. Well, what was the problem? He had access to what could change his life. But he never used what belonged to him. And there's a lot of Christians, you've got access to the very name of Jesus, the name above all names, but you never use the authority that rightfully belongs to you. And so you're begging through life. 
you're getting kicked through life. You're getting beat up all the time, and it shouldn't be that way if you would just stand up and use what rightfully belongs to you. Jesus said, I I want you to use this authority. So uh, quickly here, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Thanks, Dad. Mark chapter 16. Look at this. We're going to look at verses 15 through 18. Now, this is the Great Commission. And uh, and look what Jesus says, because maybe you're thinking, well, maybe he just doesn't want us to use his, his name and his authority. Well, check this out. Mark chapter 16. We'll look at verses 15 through 18. Is anybody getting blessed tonight? Amen. And so here's Jesus before he goes back into heaven. Verse 15 and says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Does anybody in here believe tonight? Okay, then you qualify. Says they will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak in new languages, new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Now, Jesus said these signs, this is for all, anyone who believes. Now, he didn't say this is for you 12, but nobody else. Make sure nobody else uses my name to cast out the devil. This is only for you 12. Nobody else. No, it says These signs will follow anyone who believes in my name. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll they'll speak in new tongues. If if you needed to, you can handle snakes with safety. I've never needed to. Thank you, Jesus. You're the best. But at the same time, if I needed to, I would. Because I've got the name of Jesus. The name above all names. Now, if you've never believed this spiritual stuff is real... If you've never really believed the power in the name of Jesus, if you never believe that there is a spiritual side of things, you need to see the devil cast out of somebody. <laughs> for reals. That, you know, that, I, I mean, that settled it for me one night in India, and I've told this story to a lot of you many times, but uh, I was leading Sunday night worship at our church, and I'm just kind of strumming along and all this stuff, and I go into the song, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. Now, there's a troubled young lady there that I knew she had troubles. I know how bad they were, though. And so I'm, I'm singing, oh, the blood of... And, dude, she was possessed. She hits the floor, and I'm talking about starts going... I'm not trying to freak you out because we don't have to be afraid of the devil, but she starts going into convulsions, and I mean, I mean almost levitating off of the floor and all this stuff, and I'm like, Jesus! <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> And so my dear sweet mother, she's not afraid of the devil, apparently, because she goes back there and she casts the devil out of this girl. And the name of, and as soon as she got there and put her hands on her and said, in the name of Jesus, boom, it all stopped instantly. I mean, like, just like that. I mean, and people before they're like, oh, we got to help. We're going to call them out. Nothing they were doing or helping. But the name of Jesus instantly just broke the thing and and the girl was delivered and set free and kept coming to church and she was all right but there is a real spiritual world and if you don't know your authority something like that would scare you out of your wits you'd have no idea what to do but because of the name of jesus we have authority over all the works of the devil amen Amen. We, so we, we have got to start using what belongs to us. You've got authority. And so imagine this, you know, 
say you're, you're sitting in your living room watching TV. Some weirdo shows up, opens the door, grabs the remote out of your hand, move over, sits down on your couch, get in there and make me a sandwich. Start like, excuse me? What? Are you serious? Bro, this is my house. What are you doing in here? No, I don't care. I'm t- I, it's, uh, there's a new sheriff in town. Get out of the way. What, how many of you guys would just sit there and be like, fine, what do you want on your sandwich? <laughs> Jeez. I wouldn't do that. I'd say, get out of my house. Get to stepping. This is my house. You're not allowed. No, get out of here, man. You're not allowed in here. This, I'm in charge of this place. And sadly, that's what so many people do. They're sitting there living their life. The devil comes knocking on the door. Get out of the way. I'm in charge now. And, you know, and this may sound extreme, but I, I sadly, it's true. Listen, I'm going to split your family up. I'm going to make your kids sick. I'm going to your money, your health. You're going to lose your job. People, people are talking about you. People hate you. You're no good. And people are sitting there. OK, OK. All right. All right, man. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, and they're listening to all this stuff. And the devil's poking them in the chest in their own house. And they're listening to it. And they're letting him call the shots. That is not what Jesus intended for Christians to live like. He's got better than that. And that's why you need to know Luke 10, 19. You need to know it. He says, I've given you authority over all the works of the enemy. You need to highlight that verse. You need to do it. You need to know where that's at. And you need to be able to quote that stuff, man. You need to know it because I'm not going to get pushed around anymore. I'm not going to get stolen from anymore. I'm not going to let it happen because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Amen. I know the authority that I have. Let me show you another great one. You should know Matthew 18, 18. Forgive me for moving quick. I get a little bit of a late start tonight. But Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Because this is another one you need to know. Man, I'm doing you a real solid tonight. I'm giving you some verses that you really need to know. Man, we're, we are giving you, I mean, just fundamental bullets for your Christian machine gun right here. Matthew 18, verse 18. You have to know this verse. Promise me that you will learn this verse. Matthew 18, verse 18. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth, or the King James says bind, will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so bind this word, it literally means forbid. There are a lot of things in my life that I just simply forbid to happen anymore. Like you do that? Yes, absolutely. I forbid it to happen. And I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty strong word right there. But whenever certain, you know, the devil tries to throw certain things at me. Nope. I forbid it. Nope. I forbidden. Nope, not going to take it. I forbid you from putting this on me. I forbid depression from coming into my life. I forbid you from messing with my children. And, and I'm serious. Jesus said, whatever you forbid, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And so if I'm binding it here, he's binding it up there. I mean, that's going to get the job done. But you have to step up sometimes and absolutely draw a line in the sand and say, nope, can't cross that line. I absolutely forbid it from happening. But you've got to get real with this and you've got to start stepping up to the plate and using what belongs to you. 
And, you know, I've, I've told this, I've shared this many times too, but I used to have these like nightmares that would come to me at night. And, and in, in the nightmares, I would all of a sudden become paralyzed and I couldn't move. I would be, even be trying to like using my strength to break out of it. And, and I mean, I was physically paralyzed, physically. And, and, and it was awful and things were happening to me and I couldn't fight it. And finally, after a long time of wrestling with it, I'd feel my arm break free and I'd be like, whoa, then I'd wake up in a cold sweat. This started happening every single night. And I'm like, oh, I don't even want to sleep anymore because it's torture. So finally, one night, it dawned on me, wait a minute, whatever I forbid on earth shall be forbidden in heaven. Satan, I forbid you from doing this to me ever again. I forbid the devil. I said, in the name of Jesus, I will never for the rest of my life have another nightmare. That was May of 2003. It's going on 14 years now. Honest to God, I've never had a nightmare in 14 years. I mean, I've had dreams that weren't as good as some other dreams, but I've never had a nightmare. And that hasn't happened to me in 14 years since I forbid it from happening. And and, and it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. I forbid it from happening in the name of Jesus. And and we've got to step up and use our authority. So do you see what I'm talking about? That you've got to have some backbone. You've got to have a little tenacity. You've got to have some grit in your Christian life, spiritually speaking, it's okay to be soft and lovey-dovey on the outside, but spiritually, you've got to be—I mean, you've got to be a warrior if you're going to win some of the battles that you're facing. And you cannot ever ask the devil to leave you alone. You've got to command it to happen. You don't beg and plead. You're a child of God. Get, quit begging and pleading for stuff. You're better than that, man. You're a child of God. You don't plead. Get up, man, and 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 can demand things and command through the name of Jesus that the that the devil will have to flee. James chapter four says that we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil, and he will flee. Amen. But none of this works if you're not submitted to God. You got to be submitted to God. Remember the book of Acts. These guys, uh, Sceva, this man named Skeva had these sons, seven sons. And, and they had heard that Paul was going around casting out devils. Maybe you've read this story. And they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. People seem to be impressed when he does it. So they go up to a demon-possessed guy. And they're like, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, come out. And they, they, didn't, they were not submitted to God. They, they used the name of Jesus, but they weren't submitted. They were using it, basically using Paul's name. It says, man, the devil jumped out of that guy and beat them up and left them butt naked, running down the street, embarrassed. It says that. I mean, how embarrassing is that? Why did that happen? Because they weren't submitted to God. They were like, hey, let's, let's, try to, let's go through Paul. Let's use Paul's account here. Hey, Paul says that in the name of Jesus you have to come out. You've got to know and have the authority for yourself, and you've got to be submitted to God on your own. You can't say, in the name of Jesus who pastor preaches, I pray that good things will happen to me today. You need to know that it's the God that you serve. It's the God that saved you. It's the God that redeemed you. It's the God that delivered you. You need to have some testimonies in your back pocket. You know what I mean? You gotta, when you face the giant, David grabbed five smooth stones. Well, you need to have just a, a, a bag, a handful of testimonies that whenever you face the giant, here's one for the time he delivered you. Here's one for the time he healed you. Here's one for the time he brought your provision about. Here's one for the time he saved your life in that car accident. You know what I mean? You need to have five 
five smooth stones at all times that you're ready to just load it in there and start hurling on the enemy, man. So you need to be submitted to God on your own. But believe me, when you are and you use his name, mountains will move in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's go to point number three tonight. And that's this. You need to speak to your mountain. Speak to your mountain. And I mean, we talk about this a lot, but we're not going to quit doing it. So Mark 11, 22 through 23, of course, we, that's, that's prominent verses here. We've got them right up here on the stage. Mark 11, 22 and 23. And these verses, I mean, there's 50 different sermons right here, but we're just going to keep it brief. Mark 11, verses 22 through 23, and I love it in the King James. So Jesus, if to back up the story a little bit, he's walking along one day. He comes up to this fig tree and there's no fruit on it. And he's like, wait, what's going on? And so anyway, he curses the fig tree. He says, may no one ever eat from you again. And so the next day, the disciples are walking by and the tree had died. It, 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 it died from the roots up. It dried out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, how'd you do that? They're, they're shocked. And, and Jesus, here's what he says to them in verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now, that statement, that seems you'll let that fly right over your head if you're not paying attention, because that sounds so basic. But that's about the deepest statement you could ever possibly get. Have faith in God. He's like, don't be surprised that the tree died when I told it to. Have faith in God. Actually believe in God, people. Look at this. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, that means anybody, shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, amen, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. That's some bold stuff right there. There's some guarantees in those verses. Jesus wasn't playing around. He was very, very bold to say that. He's like, I'm telling you right now, have faith in God. I'm, I am telling you that what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. You just got to believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. He says, you could say into this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but you really believe those things that you said are going to happen, you'll have whatever you say. That is incredible. Now, the mountains he's talking about, he's talking about the problems in your life. Now, I suppose if you had a genuine need to move a physical mountain, God can do anything. But most of the time, you don't have an actual need to move a physical mountain. But there are these theoretical mountains in our life. For me, it had been leukemia. For a lot of you guys, it's been different things. But whatever the mountain in your life is, you can say in the name of Jesus, you be removed, be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt and you really believe it in your heart, in your spirit, it says you'll have whatever you say. Wow, that's a powerful thought right there. That is a powerful, powerful thing to, to, to even think about and consider. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, well, man, I spoke to the mountain one time and, and it seemed like nothing happened or I've been speaking to it. Well, what do you do? You keep speaking to the mountain. You keep you stay in 
faith and you don't give up, you keep staying in faith. I mean, I've spoke to the mountain, so to speak, for years at a time before. But guess what? Every single time that I've done it in the name of Jesus and I've believed that those things that I said would really happen, I've had whatever I've said. You're like, seriously? Yep. Oh, yeah. Every time. That I've, that I've truly stood on the word and didn't give up and didn't doubt in my heart. I've really believed it every single time God's come through for me every time. And, and it's incredible. I was even thinking of, and I told this testimony on Sunday night a few weeks ago, but, uh, Kenny Gatlin, a great pastor was here on September, uh, the 10th, I think of this year. So like two months ago. Anyway, so he's given this story, uh, or this sermon about faith. And he said, some of you guys, listen, part of your problem is, you don't you don't ever stretch your faith. You don't ever uh, use your faith for anything. And, and so you don't you need some testimonies. You need, and, and I'm telling you this tonight, too. You have to have something in your life that you can look at and say, my faith in God made this happen. Something. I mean, we're all saved and born again. That's good. But you need to have something in your life where you can say, you know, when the devil brings a problem to you, well, God brought me through that one. You need to release your faith. And if you're not actively using your faith on something right now, you need to have a faith challenge. And so that's what I did. In September, I said, okay, I'm going to come up with a challenge here. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be, but I'm going to think of what it is. And so I prayed, and I was like, okay. This was, uh, this was in September. I was in Big Bear getting, you know, the Mark, True Grit, John Wayne thing going on. And so, and so I was like, all right, I claim, and this is the middle of the month, by the end of this month, 300 extra dollars will come into my life. All right? I'm, in, I'm just leaving it right there. I claim, and you're like, that sounds a little bit weird, but okay. It wasn't weird when it actually happened. And so, uh, so like, I show up at, at, at church. I mean, uh, to make a long story short, three different people on three different weeks come up and give me a $100 bill. I just, out of nowhere, I'm like, all right, there she blows. There it is. <laughs> Amen. And in fact... To be honest, 300 didn't come in, 900 did, because a lot of more stuff came in. I was like, all right, let's try this again for uh, for October. Let's see. What... And sure enough, in October, somebody came up to me on a Sunday night and said, God's telling me to give you some money. How much you need? I'm like, I'm uh, sure I could use money, but I'm not going to tell you. Just do what God said. Because I wanted to see if the person was really hearing God. The guy said, okay, I'll be at your house after church. And I said, all righty then. And so I show up at home. And the guy says, does $300 mean anything to you? I was like, yes, sir. Thank you. to the t exactly what god you know what i what i had called it and so you're like well that sounds weird but hey it's only weird if it doesn't work it works it works the name of jesus works and so i challenge you with this tonight you need to get some grit you need some backbone you need to be able to have five smooth stones in the bag at all times that you could pull out some testimonies and start throwing them at the enemy. And so if you don't have anything you're believing God for right now, you should be. Think of, I mean, ask God, where can I stretch my faith? Do I need to pray, you know, believe for some more money? Do I need to believe to witness at work? Do I need to believe to lay, go lay hands on the sick somewhere? Whatever it is, throw some challenges out there for yourself, man. Because as a, as a person of grit, as a person of tenacity and, and, and being a warrior, you've got to have some victories under your belt. You gotta have some things, amen, where you can say, my faith caused this to happen through the name of Jesus. And so, what I'm gonna end with is just what we started at. Jesus has amazing authority, and what's even more cool is in Luke 10, he said, I'm giving you the authority 
to use my name and you have authority over all the works of the enemy. And so we're going to study what it means to have true grit and be a tough, tough warrior Christian over the next few weeks. But I'm challenging you, start using the authority that already belongs to you. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and stand up tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.